All right, so our scripture reading today comes from three chapters in Proverbs, as you can see on the screen. If, it's, uh, if you're following along in the Bible in your seat, it's on page 297. Proverbs chapter 5, my son, pay attention to my wisdom, turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion, and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors, and I was soon in serious trouble. In the assembly of God's people, Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts always satisfy you. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. Chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them away on your own heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are the way to life, keeping you from your neighbor's wife and the smooth talk of a wayward woman. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. For a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. Yet if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse a bribe, however great it is. My son, keep, your, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. 
Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, Today I fulfilled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink deeply of love till morning. Let us enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse, filled with money, and will not be home till full moon. With pervasive words, persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Andy and Alan. That was great. That was a lot of text to cover. When you uh, go to seminary to become a pastor, most people don't usually say, I want to go to seminary so I can preach sermons on adultery. Uh, But sometimes uh, God brings you to these texts. And just like Alan ended, this is the word of the Lord, right? And so we need to study and understand every part of the word of the Lord. And uh, it it was intentional today to do a little bit more. Uh, Bernie and I were talking, and uh, Bernie didn't think it was a good idea to spend like three weeks on adultery. If we had done that with each chapter, it could be quite a long uh, series on on this. Uh, And so we're just covering it in one week. Uh, so hopefully that's an act of, uh, of mercy. <laughs> All right, let me pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that, that this part, although it can make us feel uncomfortable and awkward, is also your word. And we want to live by it. We want to understand it. We want to apply it to our lives. And we, we know that when we live according to your word, you give us life. You you breathe something special into us, and so we trust you, uh, and we come to this word with humble hearts, just asking for you to teach us through it. Uh, Would you guide my lips, my words tonight, uh, as I share uh, the message that you have given me? It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, maybe you've been here for all of our series on Proverbs. If not, you can uh, catch up on our website. We have a podcast, Uh, but there's kind of been this, this choice that Proverbs has been uh, presenting us with. Are the slides up? Okay, here we go. Uh, it's been, uh, Proverbs has been presenting us with two different pathways, all right? And uh, we've seen this little picture before. The first path, number one, is the way of the foolish. Proverbs talks all the time about the foolish, and then the second path is the way of the wise. Proverbs over and over again says, don't walk the way of the foolish, do walk the way of the wise. 
And over and over again, our, our father figure has come uh, into the story and he is encouraging his son. So he says, my son, my son, over and over and again in the text uh, to walk the way of the wise. But today he is inviting the son to uh, imagine what it would be like to walk the way of the foolish. Like what, like logically work it out. What's going to happen to you if you decide, you know what, Father, uh, I, I, I don't want to go the way of the wise. I want to go the way of the foolish. I want to do my own thing. Maybe some of you have wondered that. Like what, uh, you've wondered, you know, what would it be like to kind of give myself to the things that I want, to, to pursue the ends that I want, to say I'm going to stop living for God and I'm just going to live my way. I think we've all come to a place where we've said, you know, that kind of sounds intriguing, right? Like I could be done with this whole Christianity thing and all of its rules and I could just kind of do life my way. I think we all have done that in a moment of weakness. You might think, well, that would feel pretty good, wouldn't it? The father today takes one temptation uh, that uh, his son is going to face and that uh, perhaps many men face Uh, And he takes this temptation to its final conclusion. So he kind of follows it to its end. He takes the temptation of adultery. Now, I assume most of us know what adultery is, but adultery uh, defined as the act of having sex with someone you're not married to. And either you're married or they're married or you're both married, but not to each other. That is adultery. Now, I think this it's fair to say this is probably more of a temptation uh, for men Uh, but I think it's also perhaps one for women as well. So this is an equal opportunity kind of message tonight. Uh, And uh, all of us, I think it's fair to say all of us, whether we're male or female, old or young, uh, no matter if you've been walking with God for a year or 20 years, I think we are all capable of this sin. We should just all admit that. We could all stumble. We could all commit this sin. We could all fall into it. And the father says to his son, like, this is such a serious thing. This is something that I don't want you to fall into, that he, he gives three discourses. He gives three speeches to his son about how not to commit adultery. So this is a serious thing. It's a, it's a thing that if you fall into it, can really tear apart your life. Now, uh, Some of us are married here tonight, and some of us are not. Now, uh, there is uh, something called fornication, right? That's not adultery, but that's the idea of having sex outside of marriage. Now, uh, fornication is also serious. These texts don't specifically address that issue, but if we're to imagine that we're walking down a path, I think fornication is just a step down the same exact path, even though it's a different topic. Uh, And so uh, if you're single here tonight, if you're not married, I think you can also have something to to learn from tonight's message. There's something you can also uh, gain from it. Uh, Because we don't want to walk in the way of adultery or fornication. We don't want to walk in the way of the the fool. We don't want to walk a foolish path. We want to walk a wise path. But we are going to follow the foolish path out and see what happens when we follow it. 
Now, when I lived in Colorado, uh, I, I lived in Estes Park. It's up in the mountains. And from my house, you could literally drive 15 to 20 minutes, uh, and you could go on a beautiful hike. You could go in the mountains. Uh, you could go in a valley, go beside streams. It was just a, a wonderful place if you wanted to go for hikes. I think here you have to drive like two hours if you want to do something uh, similar. But when you would come to these uh, hikes, when you'd come to these trails, at the trailhead, the park rangers would almost always post some useful information. So maybe you've seen that when you've gone to a trailhead, right? There's usually a sign, and it gives you a, a map and perhaps other uh, tidbits of information, some of the wildlife that you've seen in the area. Uh, and if you look at the map, you might be able to see the different campsites uh, or the different trails. So when I was writing this sermon, I was thinking of uh, one particular uh, kind of trail uh, in, uh, near my house. Uh, there is a rabbit ears campsite, a peregrine campsite. And if you, if you hike the trail uh, all the way to the end, it's about, I think it's about three miles. You come to Bridal Veil Falls. Uh, it's a beautiful 20-foot waterfall that looks like a bride's veil, a wedding veil. It's kind of a misty white. And it, uh, when the... The water is really um, kind of, uh, so when it, when it melts from the wintertime, you can get more water that's coming down the side of this little cliff. Now, at the beginning of our trail, our park ranger, the father, our park ranger, he has posted a map. And he starts kind of all three of these discourses by pretty much saying the same thing. So this is kind of the map. He says, pay attention to my commands, which are God's words. Pay attention to my commands, which are God's words. Stay on the right path by obeying my words, which are the very words of God. Now, uh, that can be a bit intimidating, right? To hear that, like, oh, my dad is claiming, my father is claiming to speak the words of God. Now, Solomon wrote this, right? And Solomon had a special relationship with God. And so I don't think the words of the father here or the words of Solomon are at all self-righteous or authoritarian or anything like that. I think he is simply passing along God's laws, God's commands, God's words in his own vocabulary. So he's taking God's law, saying, here it is in kind of common, everyday uh, vernacular. Here's it so that we can all understand it and apply it to our lives. And I just wanted to read one of these little tidbits for you. So Proverbs uh, 7, 1 through 2 says, My son... Keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. So you can see something similar in chapter 5 and chapter 6 and a little bit further in chapter 7. He, he launches, he starts each one of these trails, each one of these, uh, these journeys with the similar kind of map. If there's one thing I think we need to take away from this sermon series, if there's one thing that I'm, I'm trying to hammer home week after week is that we need to take seriously God's words. We need to take seriously God's commands. We need to take seriously the study and the reading and the meditation, uh, 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 the meditating on God's word, the Bible. We each need to, uh, to say, how can I... Uh, take my understanding, take my study of God's word to the next level? How can I be uh, pursuing God's word? Because as we read and understand the Bible, we get a map for our life. Uh, we get how to live, but then we also catch a glimpse of a greater story, that it's not just about us, that, there, that it's all about God, that it's leading to a beautiful destination, a bridal veil falls of sorts.
And so my encouragement, once again, to everyone is just to read your Bible this week. Uh, and maybe bring your Bible to Cornerstone so you can write little notes in it. And then when you go home, you can, you can take it and you can kind of review some of the things. Because as we read the Bible, we, we meet the author himself. Right? We, we meet God. Uh, we meet the one who inspired God's word. Now, at the trailheads of uh, these, these, uh, these hiking uh, paths, sometimes the park rangers would also uh, put up serious signs, like, you know, if it's a dry season, they might put up a warning, like, uh, no, no fires or something like that. Uh, but sometimes, uh, on this trail that I was thinking of, uh, you would see a sign that said, warning, mountain lions, <laughs> Warning, mountain lions. And uh, that kind of scared me. <laughs> Whenever I saw that, I got a little nervous. Um, because when I was growing up, like, uh, someone did die from a mountain lion. A mountain lion killed a person. Uh, and so it kind of changes how you go about the hike. You know, instead of just enjoying the scenery, you're enjoying the scenery, but you're also kind of looking for like a furry animal that's coming towards you or sneaking towards you. So you're still enjoying the hike, but you're also a little bit more aware of your surroundings. Now, our predator in Proverbs isn't a feline, it is a female. Uh, it's a woman. I'm sorry. I just I had to. I don't know why I found found that to be funny, uh, but it is. Uh, it's a it's a female. It's a woman. Now Proverbs call it's not all women, not at all. It's the forbidden woman or the adulteress. Man, red does not show up on this screen. Uh, I will take note of that. Now the forbidden woman, she is married and she is off limits. Uh, and so the father warns his son uh, that if he goes after the forbidden woman, it's, it's, like, an, it's like going after a predator, and he will encounter uh, kind of two dangers or two temptations. Now, there's a lot of different temptations that go along with this, but there's two that I really wanted to pull out of the text. And the first is words of affirmation. Now, in all three speeches, the father warns his son not just about her beauty, Right? You would think that most people uh, uh, go after uh, a relationship outside of their own marriage because of beauty or looks or something like that. But perhaps the scripture is on to something here that it's more about words of affirmation and, and kind of the, the relational component. So Solomon picks up on that and he says, watch out for what she says. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Uh, maybe some of you are familiar with the five love languages by Gary Chapman. I think that's who did it. That's why I used words of affirmation, uh, because words of affirmation can be a really positive thing, right? When, when someone you know about and uh, when someone you know and loves says something kind about you, that can be a really encouraging, fulfilling, and wonderful experience. Um, I'm going to go back one. Uh, but it can also be a, a dangerous tool if it's used outside of marriage with someone that you're tempted to be in a relationship with. I don't think this means that we should all stop like complimenting each other or saying nice things to each other. But we should be aware that if, if we're going through perhaps an emotionally vulnerable time, that you have to be careful who you're looking to for words of affirmation or who you're giving words of affirmation to. So the father warns his son. Now, uh, 
some of uh, you ladies tonight might be feeling like this is a very one-sided, uh, a very one-sided uh, sermon. Uh, because isn't it usually the men that are the smooth talkers, right? Isn't the men uh, that are, 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 are trying to draw women into these kinds of relationships? And I think it's fair, it's absolutely fair to switch the story. Like if you're a woman, uh, switch the story so that it's, it's kind of in your context. So I wrote that for Proverbs 7.21. With persuasive words, he led her astray. He seduced her with his smooth talk. And so if you're a young lady or, uh, or a woman, uh, you can also be aware of the adulteress or the forbidden man uh, who might come after you or try to draw you into a relationship. And if you're a man or you're a woman and you encounter someone like this, run the other way. <laughs> uh, don't do what you do. If, if a mountain lion comes at you, you're supposed to like scream and yell and get big. Maybe that would work also, actually. Um, uh, but uh, with, <laughs> with a forbidden man or a forbidden woman, uh, you can just run away. Don't do that if you see a mountain lion. They, they like that. Uh, now, the first temptation, right, is words of affirmation. And the second one is a culture of acceptance. Uh, the woman in chapter 7 uh, uses her beauty and dress, and she even kisses this young man. Uh, and those are all part of the temptation. But verse 12 tells us that she does it in the streets and the market and on every corner. See, part of what can make it hard to resist the allure uh, the seduction of uh, sexual immorality, of either adultery or fornication, is that it is everywhere. <laughs> it is very public. It's very alluring. Uh, we see adultery. We see fornication on television, uh, in the movies, in the news, uh, in our elected officials, in schools, uh, in business. We see it on and on everywhere we go. We live in a culture that says these things are good. These things are okay, go for it. And after a while, it can become kind of hard to resist that. Well, if everyone's saying it's a good thing, I'm missing out. <laughs> I'm missing out on what everyone says is lots of fun. In fact, you know, maybe God would let me do this. Like maybe, maybe if I pray hard enough, God will God'll let me do this thing. Well, in, in the passage today, it actually says in chapter 7 that the woman, she went and she offered her sacrifices, right? So she was going through the religious motions. <laughs> Somehow she was able to reconcile that with her actions. She had created some sort of false religion to say, you know, I can, I can offer my sacrifices and then I can go and commit adultery with this young man. Uh, there was a disconnect there. It wasn't good. We, as a church, also need to be reminded that uh, we always have to speak the truth, right? Because somehow this woman encountered a uh, religion of her day that wasn't willing to say this isn't a good thing. Or maybe she didn't listen. Uh, but as a church, we always need to be willing to share the truth and to talk about these difficult topics with love and, uh, and, and kindness, absolutely. Uh, just like the father is doing in our passage uh, tonight. He's warning his son out of the kindness and out of the love of his heart. So there's two temptations, uh, words of affirmation and a culture of acceptance that uh, perhaps if you're hiking along this trail to the destination, you're, you're encountering these things, and these don't seem so bad off, uh, right off the, the bat, right? And words of affirmation, that's pretty good. A culture of acceptance, people are affirming me and what I'm doing. That sounds pretty good. 
but there are consequences. And so next, we actually find uh, five consequences uh, in Proverbs uh, of, of kind of the, the, the outcome of choosing this way of life. The first one is fleeting pleasure. Uh, it talks about her lips uh, being like honey <laughs> and then turning bitter. Uh, honey is good. We like honey. Uh, I like honey. It is sweet. Uh, but honey can also give you botulism. <laughs> honey can be uh, this really nasty thing. It can turn bitter. And he is saying, the father is saying that uh, an adulterous woman is sweet. It does taste good, uh, but it has a terrible afterbite. The second consequence is uh, financial and bodily ruin. As Bernie told me, marriage is a grand. Marriage is grand. Divorce is a hundred grand, right? (laughs) Marriage is grand. Divorce is 100 grand. He didn't come up with that, uh, but he told it to me so that you get the credit uh, for tonight. Now, I thought maybe I could like share a story of someone who was ruined financially or physically by adultery, but I also thought that wouldn't be very um, encouraging or uplifting tonight. But I also thought most of us probably know of someone uh, in your own life that has committed adultery or, or fornication, and that has reaped those consequences in their own life. They've lost a job, or they've lost their family or their kids, uh, and begun to drink or sleep around or uh, kind of give themselves to alcoholism or depression. Uh, these are real consequences of things like adultery uh, and fornication. And so one of the consequences is financial and bodily ruin. Remember, Proverbs is uh, more of principles than absolute promises. So it's possible that it might not be a fleeting pleasure. It might turn into a longer relationship, or you might not encounter uh, financial or bodily ruin uh, immediately. But we're going to get to uh, consequence number five that will deal with this. Consequence number three uh, is disgrace. Uh, There's shame about entering into an adulterous relationship. The fourth is an angry spouse, an angry husband or an angry wife uh, who exacts uh, revenge either on their own spouse through divorce and taking the children or taking the thing that that person values most, a motorcycle or golf clubs or whatever else that person loved more than them. Uh, or uh, they can actually come after the one who has entered into that relationship with their spouse. When I was in seminary, so this is a true story, uh, when I was in seminary, there was a shooting at a local Starbucks, like right down the street from the seminary, a couple miles. Uh, One police officer shot another police officer because he thought that man was having an affair with his wife. And uh, one of my fellow classmates was actually at the Starbucks at the time, like saw the man bleeding out in front of the Starbucks. Uh, The victim got shot, did not die, but the other man took his own life. Uh, and so you can see, uh, and I don't even know if that story, if, if there actually was an act of adultery. It was just a perceived act of adultery. Uh, so adultery is a really serious thing that can lead to actual loss of life, uh, even the perception of it. And so that's such a serious consequence. Uh, and that, that alone by itself is a good reason to stay away from it. But we already have these other consequences that can happen. But that one actually dims in comparison uh, to the final consequence 
of adultery. And that's God's punishment, which is eternal death. The ultimate consequence of adultery or fornication is God's judgment, which can lead to eternal death. It's true. In this life, you may not have uh, a pleasure that is fleeting. It might last. You may not run into financial or bodily ruin, ruin even though you've committed adultery. You may not be disgraced, and the spouse may never find out. But God knows. God can see. God is perfectly holy, and God is perfectly just. And he promises that he will bring the appropriate punishment. The appropriate punishment is death. And so uh, these are some pretty serious consequences. We find all of this in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. Now, thankfully, I don't end my sermon there. (laughs) That's not where the sermon ends. That would be kind of a bummer. We actually have uh, what I call three rules. There was a lot of numbers today. This is a very list sermon, Uh, not always my favorite, but uh, we have three rules to stay safe uh, from adultery because the father is not just doing this to say, this is so bad. He's saying, he's he's giving these examples, giving these stories because he's trying to warn his son. He wants his son to stay safe, to stay away from adultery, to stay away from uh, fornication. And so, uh, rule number one is stay away. (laughs) If you want to stay safe from mountain lions, don't go hiking in mountain lion country. (laughs) That's a pretty simple rule. I can't say that I always followed that rule. Uh, This applies to the forbidden man or the forbidden woman as well. Take a different path. (laughs) Don't go near them. Now, if we look at the story of the father, there's actually kind of a tragedy going on between chapter 5 and chapter 7. Because what does the father say in chapter 5, verse 8? He says, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. And then what do we see happening in chapter 7? He sees a young man. This father looks through his window and he sees a young man who's intentionally going to her house. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. (laughs) He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. The easiest way to fall off the cliff of temptation is to hike up to the edge. The closer you get, the more dangerous it becomes. If you don't want to fall off the cliff, don't walk up to the edge. (laughs) Stay away. Proximity can help, uh, proximity can get you in trouble. <laughs> so often, sometimes when we think about sexual temptation like, like this, we think, uh, even in like relationships, we think, how, how far is too far? How far is too far? How close can I get before I've done something bad? That's like saying, how close can I get to the edge of a cliff? <laughs> well, you can get pretty close, but you might fall off. And so, Stay away. Stay far away. Now, I think there's a, something that, as we apply this to our lives, we can be careful. We, we should be careful not to apply this too far. Uh, maybe some of you have heard of uh, the Billy Graham rule. That's uh, this idea that uh, men and women can't be kind of like alone together if they're not married. Uh, I actually don't agree with this rule. I don't, uh, I don't agree with it. I think it objectifies women. Uh, and I think it, uh, it discards the blessing of male and female friendships. 
outside of marriage. I think you can be friends with someone who is not your spouse of the opposite gender. And I also think it, it, it doesn't kind of differentiate between an adulterous man or adulterous woman and just a man or a woman. <laughs> Those are two completely different things. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not about, like, uh, you know, uh, foolishness. <laughs> I'm not about putting yourself in uh, compromising situations that could lead to uh, temptation or adultery. I am about using common sense and wisdom, uh, but I think you can set up boundaries without having to give in to this rule that you can never uh, like be one-on-one with them. And so use wisdom, use discernment. And if you have more questions about that, please come talk to me because it is a, it's an interesting conversation. And maybe you've never heard about it before or maybe you've thought about it before. Uh, either way, you're welcome to come talk to me about it. Uh, and so uh, there's some wisdom there, right? <laughs> That's what we need. Uh, and chapter, uh, and, and, and rule number one is stay away uh, from someone who might lead you into temptation. And rule number two uh, is a little bit more positive. It's take a friend. <laughs> uh, there was recently a man running in Colorado, and he got attacked by a mountain lion. He got attacked. I'm really digging on the mountain lions tonight. Uh, he got attacked by a juvenile mountain lion. Uh, so it's between 35 and 40 pounds. Uh, and that size cat like, could have killed him. Uh, But like Chuck Norris, he actually defeated the cat. He killed the cat. uh, And uh, he lived. He lived to tell the day. Uh, He lived to another day. Uh, And he actually plans to go running again. He wants to keep going running. But he said, I'm going to take a friend. (laughs) I'm going to try not to go running as much alone. God has given us a friend for this journey. I'm talking first about marriage relationships. I'm going to get to singles in a moment. But God has given each one of us who is married a partner, uh, a friend, Lord willing, a friend, a spouse who can help us fight the temptation of adultery. And what is the number one tool that God has given married couples to fight adultery? Sex. God has given married couples sex as a way to fight sexual temptation. Now, Proverbs uh, chapter 5 talks a lot about sex, actually. In verses 15 through 20, uh, verse 15 starts, Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. This is not talking about a literal well. This is a poem. This is a metaphor for sexual intimacy in a married couple. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. He's saying, treasure the gift of sex within your marriage relationship. Do not share it outside of your marriage relationship. Don't share it with anyone else. It's for the two of you, husband and wife. Verse 18, may your fountain be blessed. and May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? He's implying be intoxicated with your own wife. Be intoxicated with your own husband. Embrace them. Don't embrace the adulterer. Don't embrace the forbidden man or woman. 
Now, sometimes as a church, and it's just this, this is speaking broadly across Christianity, we can be a bit squeamish about this topic, right? It's not my favorite topic to get up here and talk about, but we can be squeamish about the topic of sex. Talking about, us, talking about it can make us feel uncomfortable. But you know what the Bible right here is telling husbands and, and wives to do? It's saying, have sex. <laughs> That's what it's saying. It's encouraging it. It's saying that is the glue that helps hold marriages together, that helps make marriages strong. And so we want to encourage that as a church. We should be encouraging that among husbands and wives to have sex, to have lots of it. Now, uh, in all seriousness, uh, as Christians, like, we should have a better sex life than those that are not Christians or those that are living outside of what God has planned for marriage. So those that are committing adultery or fornication. And so often the world and the, and the, the media and, and people in power, they lift up those things and they say, this is what it takes to have sexual fulfillment. And God says, that is not true at all. I have designed sexual fulfillment to come between a husband and a wife in the marriage relationship. And that is the very best place for this thing. I created sex. I affirmed sex in marriage between a husband and a wife. And so we want to encourage that. Uh, we want to encourage that as a church. That God affirms sexual intimacy between husband and wife. Now, what if you're single? What if you're single, you're not yet married, uh, how can you fight this temptation because you don't have that same tool? Well, marriage is not always the answer. Marriage is not the answer to everything. Uh, it can help, but it's not necessarily what God calls everyone to. And so God gives godly Christian friends to men and women to help them with this issue, to help encourage and hold each other accountable. And so this application of taking a friend can apply to you too. If you're struggling uh, with the desires uh, to, to have uh, a sexual fling outside of marriage or, or you're struggling with things like pornography or, or, or where you're letting your eyes go, bring a friend in on that. Tell someone. Tell someone that can pray for you and lift you up and encourage you. And we want to encourage that for uh, if, if you're a married person and you're struggling with that too. Sometimes it can be hard to tell your spouse, and uh, I still encourage you to do that, but also bring a brother or sister in Christ in that can, that can help you uh, navigate that. And in that situation, I, I would suggest taking someone of the, the same gender and, and telling them about it. Now, there's a temptation here. So we've kind of gone through the two temptations and the five consequences, and we've gone through two of the rules, but there is a temptation here as we talk about difficult topics like adultery. Uh, and this comes from uh, Pastor Brian Chapel. So there's a temptation. There's a temptation to either feel prideful or condemned, right? You feel prideful when you hear a sermon like this if you say, well, I have never committed adultery and I'm never going to. And so you can walk away feeling pretty good about yourself. I have a good marriage. I have a good relationship and I've never done that. And so I am good to go. So you walk away feeling prideful. On the other hand, maybe you have committed the sin of adultery or fornication, and you walk away just feeling absolutely judged and absolutely condemned. Neither of those things are what we want. We want to walk away feeling forgiven. 
We want to walk away feeling loved by the God who knows us and can see exactly who we are and what we've done and extends a warm embrace of forgiveness and grace. And so this is why we need the gospel. This is why we need to understand the full kind of uh, message of Proverbs in light of the entire message of the Bible. And so I want to jump forward to Jesus Christ. And what did he have to say about adultery? Now what Jesus said about adultery is the problem of adultery is actually much worse than Proverbs says it is. Proverbs warns about going to the woman, like getting near her or getting near that man. But Jesus says, you can commit adultery with that person without ever going near them. Because what matters is what's going on in your heart. Matthew 5, 28, this is Jesus' words. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. And so for any of us to imagine the what if, to think about that person and say, well, what if? You've already committed adultery. For us to lust in our heart, to to dwell on what could be or to think about it, that's lust and that's sin. I bet every single person in this room has committed adultery in our hearts. We've all committed lust. You know what the penalty for adultery is? Even adultery of the heart? Deuteronomy tells us that if a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. God is serious about the adultery that people commit. I don't think the consequence changes at all if that adultery is in your heart. So this means we're all guilty and we all deserve death. All right, you can go home now. (laughs) But God provides a way. God provides uh, a payment. God provides forgiveness. See, this is why Jesus had to die. You ever heard that Jesus fulfills the law? Jesus fulfills this law by dying for you and for me. By paying the ultimate price with his own life so that adulterers of the heart or adulterers in real action can be forgiven. So that you and I don't have to die. So that we can live and we can live forever. Maybe some of us are thinking, you know, I want to pay for my own sins. I would never put that on someone else. I'm not a freeloader. The problem with that is you can't pay for your own sin. You can't. It's like you have zero dollars in your bank account and you owe a billion dollars. You will never be able to repay that. There's only one person who ever had the amount uh, necessary in his account, and that's Christ Jesus. We're not talking about dollars here. We're talking about goodness. We're talking about holiness and righteousness, and Jesus had it all. He, He lived his life, and he walked among us, and he actually never committed adultery with his heart. He never looked lustfully on a man or a woman. That's our Savior. That's our King. That's our Jesus. That's our sacrifice who laid down his life, who paid the death penalty so that you and I don't have to pay the death penalty. That's what the gospel is. And so rule number three, uh, which really is the only rule that matters at the end of the day, the, the rule that matters the most is just to believe in Jesus. 
And I don't mean like cognitively like agree that Jesus existed and he walked this earth. I mean believe. I mean trust. I mean get serious about your sins, repent of your sins and say, I, I have broken God's law. I have broken the law in Deuteronomy. I have broken Jesus' commands and I need forgiveness. And that's exactly where God wants us. He wants all of us to be there. Not just the ones that have actually committed the act of adultery. Anyone who claims to follow Jesus needs to come before him this way and say, I have committed adultery in my heart. And yet Jesus died to save me. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you've committed adultery, this is what you need, whether in the heart or in action. This is what we all need. We all need Jesus. Guess what? You walk out of here brand new. If you know Christ and you repent of your sin and put your faith in him, you don't walk out of here an adulterer. You don't walk out of here a fornicator. You walk out of here a child of God. You walked out of here loved and clean and pure and holy and forgiven. That's how we all need to walk out of here. We need to go into our life just completely washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So my, my, my encouragement is to believe in Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. It's so easy to condemn ourselves for the, the mistakes we've made, the things we've done. But if you trust in Jesus, Jesus does not condemn you. And that's the only thing that matters. Then you're back on the path of wisdom. <laughs> you're no longer heading to uh, the end of the path of the foolish. Now this path is a little different, right? walking with Christ Jesus. There's still dangers. There's still mountain lions lurking nearby. But you can bring a friend, either your spouse or uh, someone you know and love and care about. And the park ranger, he will show you the way. Christ Jesus will take you to Bridal Veil Falls. The church, everyone that puts their faith and their trust in Christ Jesus is called the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. We can be the bride of Christ through believing in Jesus. We can be absolutely renewed, absolutely cleansed. Like that, that white misty waterfall. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that each one of us would uh, take away from this sermon what you want us to hear. And if there's anything that I have said that um, did not honor you, Lord, would you take that out of their minds? Lord, I pray that we would just take away a sense of your love, of your kindness, of your grace. Like Andy said earlier, this is not the unforgivable sin. And that through Christ Jesus, we can be forgiven and made holy and pure. Lord, would we repent? If we are committing adultery or fornication, Lord, would we repent and change and follow Christ? Would we know him? Jesus, thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Lord, we give you our offering just as an act of thanksgiving. It dims in comparison to what you have done, but it's our way of saying thank you. In Jesus' name.